reading from the book of Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let that eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, and my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. The word of the Lord. We'll next read from Psalm 67. Now, this is written by the author as the desire of the heart, but also turns into a prayer to God. And so I invite you, as we read by half verse responsibly, to turn this into your own prayer up to God. May God be merciful unto us and bless us. Let your way be known upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Oh, let the nations rejoice and be glad. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Then shall the earth bring forth her increase. God shall bless us. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from Romans. Now I am speaking to you, Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I celebrate my ministry in order to make my own people jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, then the branches also are holy. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted among the others to share the rich root of the olive tree, 
Do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off on account of unbelief, but you stand on account of belief. So do not become arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And even those of Israel, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you have been cut from what by nature, a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? The word of the Lord. Hear the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I'm, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Every Sunday, before we come to receive at the Lord's table, we offer a prayer of humble access. I uh, wrote about this in Friday's newsletter for the three or four of you who read the newsletter. Uh, perhaps more did. I, I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a prayer of humble access that we offer every Sunday morning. We'll offer it this morning. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose character is always to have mercy. We have today's gospel text to think for this life-changing phrase that we add to our liturgy and to our table preparation. We have the great faith of the Canaanite woman and the greater mercy of God manifest in the Lord Jesus Christ to be grateful for. And I wish to highlight both of these this morning. 
Every Sunday morning, as best as we possibly can, the, the Word is meant to complement the table. It is definitely meant to complement the table today, and I pray it can serve as a compliment. I, can, I pray that it can serve as a, as a preparation for all of us as we come to the table later on. First, the greatness of the Canaanite woman's faith. Now, here's what I know, at least about me, I'm speaking for myself, and I think for many of us. We who are on the other side of Easter, the Great Commission, Pentecost, and on the other side even of Acts chapter 10, where Peter meets Cornelius, and they have that encounter. We are on the other side of all those things can be puzzled, even troubled, by the conversation that Jesus has with this Canaanite woman. And so it's so important for us to remember just a couple of things as, as backstory for us. The first is this. Remember who the Canaanites were, especially to the people of Israel. The paganism of the Canaanites often led Israel into idolatry. If there ever was an enemy, and Israel managed to have a lot of enemies, <laughs> the Canaanites would be at the very top of the list. Here's the second thing to keep in mind. In fact, it's the most important thing here. The priority that Jesus had for coming to the people of Israel. Jesus was focused on fulfilling the mission of the people of God, the mission that God gave the people of God all the way back to Abraham's calling. Where Israel has failed, Jesus will succeed. And all of Israel will succeed along with Jesus' success. As a result, all the world will be blessed, just as God promised Abraham back in Genesis 12. God will remain faithful to His promise to bless the whole world through His people, as He does so through His Messiah, Jesus Christ. But sometimes, in the mystery of the the already-not-yet kingdom that we ourselves find ourselves a part of, Even before Jesus goes to the cross, even before His resurrection or before the day of Pentecost, the the not-yet reality of the kingdom slips in. It's already done that a few times in Matthew. And it happens right here with this amazing woman. So let's look at her for a second. The Canaanite woman cries out to Jesus for mercy. And Jesus offers her no response. The disciples insist to Jesus to send her away. Jesus doesn't send her away. That is good, indeed. But instead, he does begin to speak, and he speaks to her of the priority of his mission that I just spoke about. She then gets on her knees before him, asking for his help. And Jesus again insists on the priority of his mission, referring to Israel as children and referring to all others outside of Israel as dogs. And we, in our modern-day sensibilities especially, probably have a problem with this, and it's understandable. I think it's meant to kind of cause readers to pause. What's going on here? Lots of things. There's all sorts of things here. I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to speak to this briefly. And, and Craig Keener in his commentary uh, on, on this, uh, 
I looked at lots of scholars. I, I think he offers perhaps the kindest way to understand what it is that Jesus is saying here, even at this time, not so much for the people of Israel, but certainly for the Romans around them. The people had dogs for pets, and, and so he offers this. The, the image really is thus simply of one, one of children's needs taking temporal precedence over those of pets. He goes on to say that last sentence there, you can be ahead of me if you wish. Such an admission, however, hardly transforms the image into a compliment. It's not a compliment that he is offering, but he is speaking to a priority. So rather than focus on this, I want us to focus on what happens next, though. Jesus wants us to focus on what happens next. It's breathtaking. The Canaanite woman doesn't take offense in the way that we in our modern sensibilities would. She actually uses the language of Jesus. She accepts the language of Jesus, his choice of words, and uses it to reveal just how great her faith is. What do I mean by that? Is she one strong, determined woman? Yes, she is. (laughs) Absolutely. Her faithfulness to persist is exemplary. However, this aspect of faith is not what Jesus is applauding right here. It's not what we celebrate. The greatness of her faith is found not in her determination. Rather, it's found in the object that she has faith in, the one in whom She trusts. There's the greatness. First, there are three things here to to offer. First and most obvious, she has faith in Jesus, that Jesus has the ability to deliver her daughter from this demon oppression. Now, most of us would stop there. That's great. She has faith in Jesus. More people need to have faith in Jesus. But it's important to see that her faith is greater than Jesus simply being a healer or an exorcist that would from time to time appear and move and even travel in those days. That is not what she's communicating. Secondly, she addresses Jesus as Lord three times and specifically as the son of David. She declares right here that Jesus is Israel's Messiah right there. And in that, right along with that, most importantly, she accepts this priority of Israel, but also communicates this, that if you're Israel's Messiah, then the world is going to benefit. N.T. Wright says it this way, (laughs) if Israel is indeed the promise-bearing people, then Israel's Messiah will ultimately bring blessing to the whole world. The dogs will share the scraps that fall from the children's table. Amazing her faith. She sees Jesus. She knows who Jesus is. And the wholeness, the fullness of what it is he's come to bring. I think it's helpful to remember that a regular side note In Matthew, is Jesus' interplay with his disciples, regularly remarking on how small their faith is. Oh, you of little faith, he says repeatedly to his disciples. They know something's going on with their master. 
They see that something is going on with Jesus. They are, are certainly trust and, and respect him greatly, but they constantly question and they're regularly having trouble seeing the whole picture and having a full understanding. But this Canaanite woman gets it completely. And Jesus sees that and Jesus blesses her. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be done for you as you desire. She actually beats Peter to the punch. In the order of Matthew's gospel, at least, it's going to be the next chapter where Peter finally comes to the realization, or at least comes to the confession, you are the Christ. We're actually here about this next week in our gospel reading. Maybe it was this woman's faith that nudged Peter just even all the more in that direction. You see, her faith is not only in what Jesus can do, but in who Jesus truly is. She's declaring the fulfillment of Isaiah 56, Psalm 67, that we already had read as well this morning. She's declaring that, that, that a fulfillment of Isaiah, the fulfillment of Isaiah 56 and Psalm 67 is right here in the person of Jesus. God's great mercy and compassion. That's the second thing that she is pointing us to and that I wish to talk about. God's great mercy and compassion. It's all over today's texts. It's certainly over the gospel, but not only the gospel, it's over Isaiah. Isaiah addresses this repeatedly, naming foreigners and eunuchs, specifically as recipients of the promise of salvation when previously they were outside the lines of that hope. It's a future promise that the people of God are called to begin enacting in the present. It's a restorative justice that Isaiah 56 begins with and calls the people of God to, working in and through the people of God for all the nations and the peoples of the world. Psalm 67 repeatedly declares God's kingdom is for all the nations, that all the nations will ultimately praise Almighty God. And what happens in Romans chapter 11? Things move the other direction, don't they? Did you notice that this morning? We find the reverse issue because now, as Paul is writing to the Romans, now on the other side of Easter and on the other side of Pentecost, on the other side of Cornelius' home, it's the people of Israel who must be reached out to. It's the people of Israel who must be included. Apostle Paul addresses the Jews who have initially rejected their Messiah or are completely unaware that Messiah has come, but he speaks to the Gentiles and he calls them to hold out hope and to pray for God's mercy. Verse 23, I'll offer it to you again. Even those of Israel, if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. There is a wideness in God's mercy I cannot find in my own that keeps this fire burning, that melts this heart of stone, keeps me aching, keeps me yearning, keeps me glad to have been caught in the reckless, raging fury that they call the love of God. Anytime I get a chance to quote Rich Mullins, I'm going to. It's perfect. 
the wideness of God's mercy. There's a new wineskin wideness in God's mercy manifest in the person of Jesus, and the Canaanite woman knows it. Matthew declares God's compassion extends, yes, to all Gentiles, even to our sworn enemies. And yes, perhaps this moment, this Canaanite woman is accelerating things a bit. She's getting ahead of Easter and Pentecost when there hasn't yet been a Good Friday. (laughs) But in the already not yet kingdom of God, sometimes the timing works that way. She gets it. She gets it. I wonder if I get it. I wonder if we get it. What blows the doors off for me of this whole passage is not the passage itself, but where this passage is located in Matthew's gospel. This conversation about bread and crumbs and leftovers (laughs) takes place immediately before what in Matthew's gospel? Some of you probably know, probably a lot of you know, (laughs) some of you may not. Jesus immediately turns and begins ministering to a crowd that grows to more than 4,000. And with compassion, Jesus feeds the 4,000 with a few bread and some fish with seven baskets left over. There's no crumbs under the table that they're having to scavenge for here, dear friends. It is a feast. The kingdom of God is a feast. I encourage you to go and read these texts together as they were originally meant to be read together without chapters and verses and what have you in paragraph headings and see this just beautiful flow. And I say this last piece especially as it really resonates with a little journey that I have personally been on, especially this past month. It's been a personal return in many ways to, to a truth that I have known, but just, to, just not practiced to keep it in front of me regularly. And as a result, I've become aware of a fallen prey to a smallness. A smallness in the way I see, a smallness in the way I think, a smallness in the way that I look at others, a smallness in the way that I think of our world. It's, 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 the, it's the thinking of the world. It's the scarcity mentality that our world lives by. It's the air we constantly breathe. It's present nearly everywhere. It's a zero-sum game, folks, and we got to make sure that we get ours because there's just not enough to go around. As J.B. Phillips would say, (laughs) my God has been too small. And I've been reminded of that. And I've been on a journey of a renewal of trust in the availability of the abundant kingdom of God right here and right now. The ever-expanding kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that is unshakable. I have an address And that address is on Corbett Drive in Wilmore, yes. But my real address is living in the unshakable kingdom of God. 
That is your address as well. If you are in Christ, yours is an address. That is where you live in the unshakable kingdom of God, in the ever-expanding and growing kingdom of God that never runs out and is never, ever in trouble. The kingdom of God is not in trouble, ever. Yeah, we're limited. I'm limited. (laughs) You all have been praying for my back. Thank you for that. I've gotten lots of comments. Whoever said what a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) thank you so much. (laughs) Um, We're limited. We have limited bodies and limited minds and limited capacities. And in addition to that, we're broken. We're sinful. We're wholly inadequate in and of ourselves. And yet we have a resource in the abundance of our God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in abundance of the kingdom of God available to us. Though our bodies may be wasting away, yet we are inwardly renewed day by day by day, says Paul in 2 Corinthians. That's our truth. That's our reality. And whatever various troubles we might find ourselves facing, the Scriptures speak and really help us to see that even the, even the way that global troubles can, can be faced. Foreigners, eunuchs, Israelites, Canaanites, Jews, Gentiles, insiders, outsiders. Or maybe it's more personal than that for each and every one of us, where we actually live. The troubles that we face. Parents. Children, husbands, wives, friends, co-workers, roommates, employees, bosses. The troubles that we face. How will we face those troubles? With scarcity? With fear? With defensiveness? I know I so often do. Or with trust? In the availability of God's kingdom, God's kingdom resources, God's grace, God's mercy, God's abundant and ever-flowing love. Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to allow this, as the service moves on and as we prepare for a time of confession and repentance, allow allow that time to be a time of, of confessing, perhaps smallness of faith. And a need to trust in a God who is bigger than oftentimes we allow ourselves to truly believe. Repent. Find Jesus. Come to Jesus. Receive Jesus' mercy and forgiveness. Allow this time at the table to be a renewal of your faith. Resting more deeply in the character of God. Whose character is in spite of the fact that we're not worthy to gather up the crumbs underneath your table, your character is always to have mercy. Amen.